Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Uh, we are glad that each of you are here with us for worship today. Uh, this morning, our pastor Keith is is gone today, uh, but we are very excited to have Dr. Uh, Bill Henderson and his wife uh, Rena. They are here with us today, and Candy is going to introduce him a little bit later in our service. But we are glad to have both of you here today, and we look forward to hearing from uh, Dr. Bill Henderson later in our service today. The flowers that are in our sanctuary here this morning are in memory of Paul Humphreys. They were given by Roger and Ellen, and so we wanted to take note of the flowers that are here today. I'm gonna open up our service this morning with prayer. Keith called me actually just a little while ago and said that he received a phone call that Marianne Kelly, um, who is the sister of Barbara Dawkins, um, she is currently in ICU with the flu. Um, she's in Rutherford County, um, but she is currently in ICU with the flu. And so uh, she's had health concerns recently as well. And so we want to uh, continue to pray for Marianne Kelly at this time and others that you may know of uh, in your heart. And personally, each of us come here today with different things on our minds that may weigh us down or give us anxieties. So as we go to our Lord in prayer, as we begin our time of worship, I'm going to give each person in here today just a, just a few moments um, to reflect, to pray to yourself quietly, um, to pray for those that you may know in need, um, and to spend time in meditation and reflection with our Lord. So do that, and then I will uh, close us in a word of prayer. Lord, it is good to pause. In a world where we are constantly moving and going and doing, it is truly good to be in your house, to be in a place among people, people who love one another. And Lord, I pray that during this hour, each person here would be able to move forward in worship, not thinking of the distractions or the things, the issues that weigh each of us down. But Lord, I truly pray that during this next hour, our hearts and our minds are plugged in to listen to your voice as you speak to us. Lord, be with Dr. Bill Henderson as he come and preaches today. Be with Candy and the choir and Roger and Cheryl and others as they lead us in music. I pray that every word that is spoken today and every song that's sung, every breath that's taken, God, I pray that each part of this service this morning is not to build up Boiling Springs Baptist Church or to build up our individual selves, but Lord, I truly pray that everything we say and do is to build up your kingdom. Be with us now as we enter into this time of worship. I pray that each of our hearts are prepared to fully be in tune with your spirit this morning. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Our hymn of praise this morning is number 295, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. 295, if you are able, please stand and join in singing. Thank you. 
be seated and remember to take out inside your bulletin the um, order of service for dedicating the parents of uh, Ruby Kate. As the family of God, we rejoice in God's good gift of life through the miracle of birth. Today, we join with the parents of Ruby Kate Skinner in embracing their child with open arms, even as Jesus welcomed little children and their mothers with words of blessing. We acknowledge God's abounding love already at work in Ruby Kate, and we come today to pledge ourselves in covenant to nurture her into fullness of life. If there are any other children in the sanctuary who would like to join us up front, I welcome you to do that now. Today we celebrate miracles, for life is God's precious gift. We hold, we hold in, in our, our arms the present of God, lovingly shaped in the image of God, named out of our most sacred faith in what God continues to do, our deepest hopes for the future, and our abiding love for each other in this community. You hold in your arms a marvelous incarnation of love made flesh and relationship, of potential being realized in the wonder of individual growth. We are in awe of our responsibility and our privilege. Our joy is being made far more complete in this lifelong investment, this lifelong commitment. From the heart of God into the heart and arms of the community, we are those to whom this child is entrusted. We are those who commit to ourselves to being a part of the process of Ruby Kate growing up. May we model for her the joy and discipline, the excitement, the pain, and the work of the abundant life. May our living with Ruby Kate reveal the depths of God's dream for us and, and our world. As our concept of who we are is expanded, and as we affirm the intimacy that is enhanced by the inclusion of another into it. As a part of growing up and asking our church to take hold and to help Ruby Cade and her family, these children all have a part of helping her raise. Liza, the triplets, Branch, Julian, Lily, Piper, Will, Brain, Georgia, sorry. <laughs> We're all gonna help raise her. When she needs a friend, will y'all help her? Can you say yes? Yes. Yes, thank you. Will you play with her on the playground? Yes. yes. When she needs somebody to help her when she's crying, will you hug her and love on her? Yes. Will you promise to be Ruby Kate's friends as we grow up in our church? You are special children. You will love on her and take care of her. Ruby Kate is a little special to me today too because not only are you going to help raise Ruby Kate, but Heidi's Bailey Ray, 
Hemamiah share daycare with her. So our circle of not only children here in church, but children in the daycare will help with Ruby Kate and her growing up. Oops. I want to share a scripture with you. 1 John 3, 1. Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. Parents, with gratitude to God, do you receive this child as a precious gift of God, and do you seek God's grace and this community's support in nurturing and caring for this child? Do you covenant to remain faithful in love to your child, whatever the future may bring? Do you promise before God and this community to fashion your lives that your child may come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? We, we do, do with, with God's, God's help. help. We now ask that the congregation stand, if you're able, in support of this family. Okay, stand up. The church, as a family of God, gladly joins you in holy covenant for the care and nurture of Ruby Kate. Do you promise, as a community of faith, to surround this family with your love for the strengthening of their life together, to be for these parents and this child, a family in Christ whose love for them cannot be broken, to accept this child into your loving care for shared responsibility in her growth toward fullness of life in Christ, to tell this child the good news of Christ, to help her learn Christ's ways and to lead her in service to God and neighbor. We do with God's help. You may be seated. All right, Ruby Kate, let's go meet the congregation. Come on, Oliver. Woo. I want to introduce to you today Ruby Kate Skinner, the proud grand granddaughter of Josh. I'm, I'm having a hard time today. Scott and Pam. Judy and Todd. Ruby has a special name. She is named for her great-grandmother, Ruby. So the circle of love and the gift continues with her family. I have a special connection with Ruby. When I first came to Shelby years ago, her great-grandfather was a teacher friend of mine, and we spent many years growing and helping each other. Ruby Kate is a special child. She is born into a family with a big brother, Oliver, who loves nothing more than snuggling with her on his bed and holding her and making sure that she is loved. She loves to do things with her daddy. They get on that gator and they go to the pasture and they feed the cows. Big brother helps. And then mom likes to do things in her living room, like building a tent or letting Oliver ride on the horsey. They are a family bound together by love, not only for themselves, but for this church and for this faith. Ruby, Kate, and all our children are special. They are given to us as a gift, and we as a church and a family are here to help raise her. 
She is loved. She is cared for. She is special. As all children are that are raised by God and faith. Ruby Kate Skinner, our precious little one for the day, bound by love, bound by family, loved by all. And now in honor of this special occasion and this special child and family, we would like, the church would like to present you with a certificate to remember the day, a New Testament for Ruby Kate, and Snuggle Time Prayers, a book that you can share with Ruby Kate and all. Let us pray. Oh God, as a mother who comforts her children, you strengthen, sustain, and provide for us. We come before you with gratitude for the gift of this child, for the joy that has come into this family, for the grace which you have surrounded them with, and all of us. As a father cares for his children, so you continually look upon us with compassion and goodness. Pour out your spirit. Enable us all to abound in love and establish our homes in holiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now if you would please turn in your hymnals to hymn number 325, Great is the Lord. 325. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
pray with me? Father, thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. Thank you for this beautiful place you've let us come worship you. Now we come to give just back a portion of what you have given us. Please help us to give faithfully and also give of our time and our talents. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, Alan has already given you somewhat of an introduction to Bill Henderson, but I asked if I could introduce him because um, when I first moved to Western North Carolina in 2012, Bill's one of the first people I heard about even before I met him. He had been the interim pastor at Tryon, at First Baptist in Tryon, where I served before coming here, and they just loved Bill and talked about him. And then when I met him and I met Rena, I understood why they loved him so much. So we are so pleased to have you here with us today. Bill's parents were missionaries in Hong Kong. I asked him, did you grow up in Hong Kong? No, he said he grew up in Florida and Georgia. And he, his last pastorate was in Georgia at St. Simon's Island. And then they moved to uh, Black Mountain 12 years ago, about 12 years ago. And so um, he has been doing some intentional interim work, but today he's here to preach for us and we are so glad to have him. And I know that you will appreciate the message he brings. So Bill, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Candy's been a friend for a number of years, as she's already said, and so has Keith been. Keith represented one of the Georgia Retirement Center, I believe, institutions and traveled around the state for a while, and that's how I got to know him. He's a wonderful young man. He's a wonderful um, pastor who loves his people, and he's, um, I'm sure that he's getting the rest that he needs today. In fact, he texted me early this morning. I wrote him back and I said, shame on you for worrying about me and whether this church is going to have a good day or not. I want you to have a good day of rest. And so I hope that he is. So good to be with you this morning. I want to read to you from the 18th chapter of Genesis, the 15 verses there. Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. And he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you've come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham turned into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him later. There in the tent, he said. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Let me be real clear that you know she was 92, so we hear in the records. I think that's past childbearing. But Abraham was 99, so they said here. 
Sarah and Abraham were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, am I worn out and my master is old? Will I now have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Well, Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Would you pray with me for a moment, please? Lord, we gather up today as your people. None of us deserving that wonderful name and that calling. But oh, how we love to hear it. Calling us your people. And Lord, as we gather today, we have heard the wonders of children laughing and parents committing themselves. We're thinking about this good pastor who's getting a needed rest. And we ask for your blessings on all that we are about. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord. For you are my strength and my redeemer. Amen. It's a wonderful experience to come visit any church, especially this church. Already we have heard familiar sounds of a good church fellowship. And I wanna ask you a question this morning as we begin. What do you look forward to hearing that signal for you that you are in the fellowship of a good, healthy, and strong and happy church? What is it? And what is it that caught your attention this morning? What is it? Was it the anticipation of the children laughing and the gurgling of a new little child? Was that it? Or maybe it was the beginning sounds of worship or maybe you heard the choir rehearsing and you heard the sounds floating out of the hallways. What kind of sounds do you identify as the sounds of a healthy and happy church? Well, I did some training with the Wake Forest and the North Carolina Baptist University Hospitals, and I was amazed to hear uh, a lining up of several things that would be initial signals to you that you're in an unhealthy church or you're in a healthy church. And one of the things, the most important thing that stood out to me is that when you are in the fellowship of a good, healthy church, you will hear laughter among the people. So, with that wonder of that possibility, it makes me think about a wonderful experience that I had when I was about Alan Newsom's age and stage in life. My first church was very much like this church is for him. I was a youth pastor and I went to the First Baptist Church of Rome, Georgia, in the northwest corner of Georgia, just a few miles over from the Tennessee line or from the Alabama line. A wonderful, strong church, looks a lot like this one. And they had a strong senior adult fellowship and they asked the youth minister to drive the bus for them often to go off to conferences and retreats. I did one time and as I came to Ridgecrest to bring our senior adults up there, they announced that there would be a talent show on Thursday night. Well, when we got back to our cabin that night, 
Sister Susie Jones said, I'm gonna be in the talent show. And we thought, well, what in the world? She doesn't sing in the choir, she doesn't ring bells. You know, she may occasionally bring a plate of a casserole to the kitchen, but you know, what in the world kind of talent is she gonna bring about that she's been hiding under a bushel? We have no idea what kind of talent she had. Well, when she got up there at the talent show, she stood at the microphone and she began to talk about growing up in Sugar Hill, Georgia. And she interrupted herself and she started laughing as she remembered the places she had been and she laughed uproariously. And more, the more she laughed, she never finished a sentence before she was roaring in laughter and the congregation that was listening to her was laughing with her. It took 10 minutes before that laughter ever died down which just said to me and something it ought to say to you and that is that laughter is contagious. And she knew how to make it happen. It was just exactly her talent. So what kind of sounds do you listen for? Do you listen for the laughter that you hear in the hearts of people or perhaps in the hallways of the church? The scripture has told us an unusual story about a laughter that was certainly uncanny and unexpected. And we must remember that this is the laughter of an aged saint. Here is a wonderful woman who has faithfully and carefully followed the leading of a loving God. And she had offered her life in a loving response through many, many long years, trekking through the desert, seeking after the will of God and following her husband Abraham. Now, why did Sarah laugh? What is it exactly that brought her to laughing at that time, which later she would lie about and insist that no, she had not and she didn't want to be mis misunderstood as having laughed at the words of the Lord. Well, it's not the laughter of an unbelieving heart. Her attentiveness to God's heart is well chronicled all through the pages of the scripture. It's not the laughter of a person who had no dreams or no sense of vision of tomorrow, of the great things implicated in the covenant of God or in the promises or the commands or the, even the personal gifts that she possessed. The covenant included her as well. If you'll go back to the 17th chapter and read it through, you'll read, for I will bless her, for she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come to her. She did not lack for a vision of what God could do. No, I believe the scripture tells us an answer as Sarah, speaks to herself in her own chuckle saying, you know, is it possible after being just flat and worn out that this great pleasure could come to me? There was the answer right there. She just thought she was worn out. And then she chuckled and said, and my husband, that old geezer, he's past his prime. This won't be fun for us at any age. This week we heard an announcement about a California church in a busy crossroads in a busy little town that was closing its doors. Once it had worshiped with three and 400, 300 people in their church and the sanctuary was large and lovely like this, full of colored windows and full of good carpeting and wonderful pews and their congregations down now to 25 people and they had decided to sell the church. We too can become worn out because churches sometimes begin with a bang and they flash with a fury and they may have some wonderful and exciting years and sometimes they end up finishing with a fizzle. But the sounds of laughter 
can remain for a long time in the fellowships of people who love God. But so often they are the sound of satisfaction. We finally got a lovely place. We finally got the people who are sort of like us. We've got all that we need. And in fact, sadly, sometimes we chuckle because we finally got all we want. At some times I've heard the laughter of sarcasm among my well-educated friends, the laughter of an overworked intellect and an underfed heart. Some congregations see these sometimes as uh, the laughter of keeping people who would spoil the beauty and the wonder of their kinds of church. <clears throat> Sometimes you've heard the laughter of cynical hearts where doubts have been left unchallenged and after long years of un, un, unfulfilled experiences in their lives, their religious activity tends to replace a living relationship with an awesome God who acts in behalf of his people. Today we can hear another kind of laughter in our sacred places because these are days of great change. Sometimes we snicker. We snicker and we're guilty sometimes of snickering at the people who are so different from us. They use a lot of little cute theological phrases and we know that they're all really lightweight and so we snicker at that. Or sometimes we say, you know, we don't really like their music or they're gonna pull down the standards of our church. We laugh at their clothing choices and their, at their manners, and we say they're really only all about entertainment. And then sometimes while we're laughing, we fail to listen to the word that they might be hearing as they seek earnestly after God, as we can at times. Sarah said, I'm just worn out. And when she was found out, she showed her reluctance to admit that she was weary of well-doing. And so she denied it. And the angel came back to that very same challenge and said, why was Sarah laughing? Her spirit was no secret to those that were in the presence of Abraham at the time. And neither are our spirits. Neither are the laughters that we fill this church with. Our spirit is no secret. And God checks our hearts. You know, man looks at the outward appearance and sees a lovely building and a lovely choir and lovely people dressed well. But when you walk in that door, God is studying your heart. He wants to know if you've been taking the time to settle all the frantic busyness of your day and wonder if you're really willing to step into the challenge of being in the presence of a creator God who has promised to bless his people. These are days of great changes and I believe we can learn from every story of scripture, but particularly from this story of scripture, there's a great challenge for us because we're in a robust cultural shift in our land. And we just might be stepping onto the threshold of fresh commitments that we don't yet see and don't realize that we're capable of making. So listen to some of the answers that come out of this experience as I share with you the meditations of my heart. First of all, Sarah laughed because she had become unaccustomed to the direct call of God. Certainly desperate times call for desperate means and in different times, God speaks to us in different ways. Can you imagine being a disciple following the Easter explosion 
All they had heard were rumors that Jesus was around, but they were frightened and they hid in the upper room. And while they were hiding, they were tendering their, faith, their fearful hearts and they were asking among themselves, what do we do now? In the former days, God had spoken by the law and by the prophets, but something different was happening now. And suddenly the age of grace came upon them and the age of law had been visited by the redeeming son of God who walked among sick people and touched the lepers. And he walked into the temple and he taught as one who seemed to speak of authority. The temple had been cleansed. The law had been fulfilled. The altar had been laid open for anyone who would come, even the Gentiles who had never been allowed in the temple before. And the days of grace had upended a stagnant temple faith because the Lord was announcing that he was forever to be among his people full of grace and truth in the living resurrected Christ. That was a direct call and nobody expected it. Then there was another experience that you and I can remember, one of the most exciting experiences, but sometimes we have to admit one of the most misunderstood kind of experiences, and that was when the word was preached at Pentecost. The, the cross was lifted high now as a new sign of victory rather than a great discouragement to the people who had loved Christ. And all the people who had been denied access to the throne of God now came flooding into the new altars of faith. And they sought and needed a priesthood of believers to validate their gospel of good news. No more elite clergy, no more a clergy alone who handled all of the word of God, but all the people would have the spirit of the Lord placed in their hearts interpreting scripture for them and speaking to them in their hearts. And just as Joel had said to them in years past, the spirit of the Lord, once given on the high mountaintops to the prophets to come down and deliver to the people, now after Pentecost, the spirit of the Lord would be poured out on all people, sons and daughters. Nobody expected that direct call of God. Now it's important for a church like this to recognize that the direct call of God came upon the disciples when they were unexpecting it. It came upon Sarah when she was unexpecting it. It came upon Abraham when he was unexpecting it. And we as a church should not settle down with our expectations, but we should look forward to the unexpected. When the church has been faithful in that which is least, Jesus always told us that suddenly we would be ushered into the blessings of the master and we would be put in charge of more. Our sense of anticipation always be that there's always more to come, always. Never what we have is quite exactly enough. But God always promises more when we're faithful with the least that he's given us. Today, the promise of God has been fulfilled in your presence, Jesus said. I loved listening to Dr. Raymond Brian Brown, who sat at Southeastern Seminary in the days gone by. And he loved to read that scripture. Every time he spoke from the words, 
and the Word of God. He said Jesus stood in the early synagogue and he stood and read that today in your presence this scripture has been fulfilled. And he said, and then Jesus closed the book and he sat down. Well, in the wonder of those words, there was a heavenly silence. And then suddenly the synagogue had a fit and they ran him out of town. And they said, how dare you presume to call upon us, we who know how things are supposed to happen in the church. Who are you? You're a newcomer. And aren't you the son of the carpenter? The church should always expect a direct call of God today. And particularly in these times, we should be responding in ways to interpret the culture for this generation. The word is directed at the church today like it was to Peter when he with his excitement and anticipation saw Jesus walking out on the water. Peter jumped out and said, I want to be with you. And Jesus said, come ahead. But if you're going to walk with me on the water, you have to get out of the boat. That's the kind of word that we hear when we listen to a direct call from God. Are we unaccustomed to receiving a call of God? Perhaps we get comfortable with the scriptures. We get comfortable with the way we do things. We get comfortable and suddenly our comforts keep us from being ready for a direct call from God. Second of all, Sarah laughed because she was unfamiliar with the sweep of God's purposes. I know this church has had a privileged relationship with the Gardner-Webb University and now the Gardner-Webb Divinity School. How wonderful to be able to have a church full of faculty members who see the full sweep of God's purposes and continually call you to it. I remember how exciting were my days in the seminary. I remember how exciting it was when Dr. Bent, uh, Binkley would keep us humble, but Dr. Durham would keep us rolling in the aisles. Dr. Steely would keep us weeping in class, but Dr. Scoggin would keep us slack-jawed and amazed. So many great scholars who dared to be our friends pushed us beyond our known limits to always see that God had a way of reaching the entire world, and that was his intention. That's the sweep of God's purposes. The whole world, it is not politics, but it is the wonder of the spread of the kingdom of God that keeps the church amazed and keeps us full of real laughter. There was one course I particularly loved in the seminary taught by Dr. Jim Tull, and we always jokingly called him Dr. Dull because his witnessing class was two o'clock right after lunch and all of us who had had a big lunch could hardly stay awake. But Dr. Tull believed in his subject and he introduced us to L.R. Scarborough's book called With Christ After the Lost. And then he jokingly told us about how when they first printed it, they printed it with an error, a misspelling in the title, and they called it With Christ after the last but he said you know either way you look at it it's a it's a right title christ was always after the lost but we ought to be after him always until the last one hears the news of his love 
We as a church must never lose sight of the fact that even when we hear the news about all the troubled nations of this world, what God's intention is, is that all nations of this world and all peoples of this world, history will continue until everyone has heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are we waiting for? God's purposes had been forgotten in Sarah's mind. She had just sort of overlooked the sweep of God's purposes. They had gotten settled in on the good values and the stability of the, of the life that they led and they were settled into a new land and they were just sort of trading God's life for the good life. Do we do that as a church? Do we ever settle for the good life because we've finally gotten our morals straightened out and we forget that God's life is something more than just a morality, but a call to share the joy and the excitement of what it means to be loved and called of God. Abraham knew the great full sweep of God's purposes. Abraham was called to a new land. I read recently somewhere where somebody said there is a spiritual ailment in our churches for the day because the pastors are preaching to the choir and the congregations have gotten a bit of spiritual obesity. We're fattening up on the same messages we've been hearing for years and years and years. It's up to the church to fill the pews so the pastor isn't just preaching to the choir. God has an ultimate purpose and it is the very soul of this church to continue to live in the culture and interpret the culture where God is working to the new generations. Just think of what is waiting on your own doorstep. The young and the restless are there and so are the aged and the tired. The computer age crowd is sitting on your doorstep and so are the social media people. The immigrants are here and they're all over your community if this is like any other community. They're here and many of them have brought their religious faith with them and would love to find a church as well. The immigrants and the poor are on your doorstep. And so are the entitled and the 1% privileged class. They're also on your doorstep, though they may be on the golf course this morning. You can still invite them to come and hear this wonderful experience of worship. Rudyard Kipling and William Booth have been classmates in Oxford University together. Kipling was a Brit born in India. You remember he was well known for his literary works and the recipient of the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1907. Well, William Booth had been his classmate and he had taken a less notable path, that of the Methodist ministry. He was a humble man, yet one with a giant size conviction. And he had founded the Salvation Army, if you remember, in 1878. They met at a college reunion, Rudyard Kipling and William Booth. And they came in their older years. And as Kipling was reveling in all the praise and adulation he was getting from classmates who were saying, wonderful, a Nobel Prize winner. And oh, what a great writer you are. He tells the story that in the quietness of that time, <clears throat> William Booth strolled up to him and greeted him and just asked him one simple question. He said, Rudy, how's your soul? 
Kipling would say he had no answer at that time, but he never forgot that question and said that he called that the number one question for all of his life. When we share our blessings adequately, it means we share the hope they have within us in as winsome way as possible that all may know. That's our ultimate goal in this church and in every faithful congregation, that all may know of the wonder of God's love and experience it through us. When we remain faithfully present to God's wide sweeping plans, then we have a holy laughter in our fellowships. But last of all, Sarah laughed that day. <clears throat> Behind the door of the tent, because she had exchanged her dreams for expediency. What's the easiest thing to do around here? I would imagine at this season of your year, a nominating committee is beginning to make phone calls. A choir director is beginning to look around and say, can you carry a tune? Even if you can't, you're welcome into this choir. We'll change you, we'll get you working. Or this wonderful preschool leader is saying, bring me more. Bring me more. But Sarah had exchanged her dreams for expediency for the easiest thing to do. She had expected great things in her earlier days, but now she was older and wiser and she had settled into taking care of business just with good solutions to problems. She had served her place. Maybe it was time now for somebody else to handle other things. In fact, she had even released Abe from the sacred vows and impulsively urged her maidservant on Hagar. She had become impatient in the plans of God and had created plans of her own. You know, it can be a call to impatience when we follow a visionary around like that. We get weary in well-doing and we create our own ideas. Results had paid off for Sarah and Abraham because there was an heir. But oh, the animosities, heartaches of the history of Ishmael in the land that we call the Middle East. An uncharacteristic impatience in a church family is always something that squelches the joy and the laughter. Of course, every congregation has its own skeletons in its closet. Leaders may have disappointed you in the past. Fears may have crippled you. Wrongs might have scarred you in your fellowship. Monotony may have dulled you. Every Christian likewise lives with some stars, but also with some scars. And you and I probably bear all the marks of too much comfort, too easy a life in churches where we've served, and too high an opinion of ourselves. Individuals and congregations are still only sinners saved by grace. But there is a question that the angels approached Abraham with in all of that dialogue in their conversation. The angels turned to Abraham and said, why did Sarah laugh? And then they asked, is anything impossible for God? And if you remember anything about this morning and the wonder of this little child who was dedicated by these parents here this morning, I hope you will hear that ringing in your heart over and over and over again. 
What about the laughter in this church fellowship? Does it represent the wonder that there is nothing that's impossible for God? There's the question for you this morning. Is there anything impossible for God? What sort of dreams have you heard in your heart when God has spoken to you in simple daily devotions and times of quiet study and prayer in your life? What sort of dreams have you had? What sort of understanding do you have about the sweep of the wonder of God's plan that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord? What are the things that you dream about? Let this question ring in your heart as it did with Abraham. Is anything impossible for God? God is the God of the impossible. We serve this God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His plans are not our plans. The mission is still the same for the church. And that is that you learn to love as Jesus loved. Is that a difficult plan? Does that seem hard to be exciting anymore? There is so much to learn about love that we have never yet uncovered. The mission of this church is still the same, to learn to love in exciting and passionate and intensely purposeful ways, even as Jesus loved us. Because when we do, we'll have holy laughter in our church fellowships and the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you for the joy that Jesus had as he thought of all that he would be bringing to us in our lives. Saving our souls, we say, but giving us an abundant life thrilling us with the wonder of all of your plans and your purposes. We thank you for the wonder of a Savior who loved us in such a way. We can almost see his face full of laughter now. May the joy of our Master fill our hearts and fill the halls of this church. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Keith told me that Alan would be the one who would come before the church this morning to receive any decision that might have been made. You know, through the weeks, a congregation stirs and carries out its business and goes through the community and involves itself in all of its family relationships. But every once in a while, the Lord is stirring in the hearts of somebody saying, I need to step out of my comfort zone and come into a place where a church is proclaiming to follow the God of the impossible. Teach me, church. So if there's anyone here this morning ready to make that kind of commitment, I invite you to come now. Even in the absence of your pastor, the presence of this congregation will warmly receive you and, and be committed to teach you and lead you to be a fully following and fully developed follower of Jesus Christ. So you come. If there is a decision to be made this morning, Alan will receive you. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn together.
And now if you would hear the benediction. Oh God, your benediction is upon us in the gift of your grace that brings us into the world, draws us toward you during all the days of our lives, and offers us meaning even in the presence of death. Thanks be to you, good God. In the name of the one who pleaded, let the children come to me. We depart with your benediction. Amen.